Hi guys, welcome back to Aesthetically Displeasing, where we talk about all things spooky, stupid, and... Displeasing. I am Nicole. And I'm Melanie. And today is my turn to talk about a case. Obviously, it's the first one. Today I am talking about Terry Genadusa Nicolai. Okay, I don't know what this is. You don't? I literally listened to this podcast or this case on a podcast earlier this week and I like had chills all, all over my body I was like I have to tell this one I'm so excited so I do want to give a trigger warning about this is this case is about domestic abuse so um you ready yeah. <laughs> I was so ready <laughs> we are in Racine Wisconsin in 1995 my dad actually lived in Racine most of my life growing up and I've never heard of this case Wow, and it's pretty big um okay so Terry Genadusa I hope I'm saying that right I looked it up and I like was like oh totally that looks phonetically correct (laughs) and now I'm probably messing it up um she met David Larson and thought he was a total catch so they actually went to college together and then they ended up meeting up later like through close friends um David was an ex-marine And he had a really good job as an air traffic control and he owned his own home. So that's a really stressful job. That was a big deal for her. They ended up dating for a year and then um, got married in 1996. After only dating for one year? One year. Yeah. Um, And then they went to Hawaii for their honeymoon. And uh, Terry and David got into like this, what she calls as a, lovers quarrel so just like a bickering fight you know she didn't think it was a big deal um but David ended up hitting her several times over the head stating that she is to do as he says as they are married now absolutely not (laughs) hell no so um he even said that he would repeatedly tell her that she is bought and paid for (gasps) oh my god and she like he had no previous like signs of being abusive until Mm -hmm. they were married which like honey like you're not even gonna wait till the honeymoon phase is over that's nuts yeah started on the honeymoon right um so then this was obviously not the david that she knew it was totally out of left field and the abuse obviously didn't end there so David would get violent over window curtains being out of place and towels not being folded correctly, like oh little, gosh. little stuff like that. And um, so she wasn't able to make any, any mistakes. Uh, but one year after Terry and David were married, they had a daughter, Amanda. They like one wow. year they got married and then the next year they had a baby, which like Again, I did that. <laughs> I Except mean, you dated for yeah, seven years. For, for Well, for eight years. We've yeah. known each other for a whole decade. Then two years after that, they had Holly. So they had two little girls. And regardless of the kids, the abuse continued. Did you start abusing the kids also or just his wife? Just his wife. Not good. Slippery but slope. Not bad. So... It got so extreme that if she were to, like, break a glass, you know, like when you're cleaning or whatever, mm-hmm. um, she would get so reprimanded for it that she started collecting 
all of the broken glass and putting it into neighbor's bins so oh he wouldn't gosh. find out about it. Which also, like, if he's that anal about everything, like, how is he not noticing, like, <laughs> broken glass missing? That's very that's, true. That's crazy to me that, like, she couldn't even. Yeah, so you'd have to hide that from your significant other. And put it in a neighbor's trash mm-hmm. can. Can you imagine seeing your neighbor outside and being like, just get rid of my trash? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, God. That is horrible. So even though the police were called several times for domestic violence, neighbors still stated that they seemed like a happy family. And I just wanted to say this because you never know what happens behind closed doors. Like, you can think that someone is a fantastic couple and then, you know, he's beating her over towels not being folded correctly. But also, was it, it was the neighbors that were calling the cops, I would assume. I don't think so. I think it was her oh i think she was calling okay and calling the cops on her husband yeah and so there was this specific night where uh terry was prepping dinner and you know when you're prepping dinner and you've got like all of your ingredients out on the counter you know so you don't Mm -hmm. forget anything well um david demanded that she put her noodles away before they went bad dry noodles Uh, dry noodles yep you know before they expire they do a very short shelf life (laughs) terry responded by this by saying do you want dinner or not and said that they were dry noodles like they're not going to go bad david demanded that she do as she said regardless of if it made sense or not oh my god right this argument about noodles escalated so badly that terry found herself running down in the basement and hiding oh my god because she had nowhere else to go because david put locks on all the doors and he was the only one with keys to it so like she couldn't go Around her own home. Couldn't go anywhere. Except for the basement. She, like, she couldn't leave the house. It, she, the front door was locked from the inside. Yeah, oh like, all God. of it. Yeah. So she w- found herself, like, sitting in, like, hiding in a corner in the basement and was like, I can't. That's terrifying. I can't do this. Like, I'm, I'm in my house hiding from my own husband. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. So there was another incident where Amanda, the older daughter, was two at the time and something happened where they got into an argument and Amanda sat underneath the table with her hands over her ears and crying. And these two situations made Terry realize that she needed to leave David mm-hmm. because if she wouldn't, if she didn't leave him, he was just going to eventually abuse their Absolutely. daughters. So Terry ended up leaving David in November of 1999. So they were married for three years wow. and she filed for divorce, even though she had nowhere to go. Oh, wow. She's a badass. Like, oh, wow. That I know, right? Very impressive. Her and her daughters actually went to live in a shelter. That's how desperate she was to leave. Like, she had nowhere to go. Wait, did she, did she live in the shelter with her daughters? With her daughters, oh, yeah. Wow. And David kept the house. And he actually bordered on, on like, borderline hoarding mm-hmm. so bad. After their divorce, like, he clung to any sentimental mm-hmm. items that they had from their wedding. So, he, you know, like, he valued their marriage right. vows so much. He had to cling to everything. Right. So he kept the wedding dress, the photo albums, and they're like their wedding video. And um, David actually made the girls at one point watch the wedding video while telling the girls, mommy doesn't keep her promises. <gasps> That's bad. Yeah. That's a manipulation. Yeah. So on the day of their divorce, which was January 31st, 2001, David cried in the courtroom and said that Terry would regret it. And she was like, I don't understand why he's so upset. Like he 
didn't like me. Like yes. he just beat me from the get go. Right. And so, yeah, he was like, you're going to regret this. Did he say that in the courtroom in front of everyone? I think he said it on the way out. Oh my God. Just like a little, you're going to regret this. Yeah. That's terrifying. The judge awarded them joint custody. Gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and David being the disgusting human being he is would verbally and physically assault Terry during the pickup and drop offs oh of their God. kids. To the point where Terry actually had to say like, hey, can we meet up in like a public place or um, she'd like try to have someone go with her. Mm-hmm. And she actually ended up calling the police a few times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which like, why is the court not doing anything about that? Absolutely. Like, and then she can't not meet for the pickup time because right. then she could get in trouble and he could get even more custody. Right. Three years after Terry and David's divorce, Terry met Nick who was in her church choir the two got married and then Terry was like, okay, my life's getting together. I'm finally going to get sole custody. Like I'm going to go really for it. She brought evidence of abuse even like after the divorce, mm-hmm. there continued to be abuse, but the court was so surprised that a father wanted to spend time with his kids. Oh my gosh. So Terry was denied full custody, but she kept fighting. Mm-hmm. Like this girl does not give up. Um, David ended up using tactics to drag out the custody battle for four years. Why? Oh my God. What? <laughs> I mean, it's just the control that he still wants to have oh, over her. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Um, and Terry ended up having to file a restraining order against David. So I don't understand how this works because she had enough evidence to get a restraining order, but she didn't have enough Evidence, evidence for to, him to right to not have the kids yeah. anymore it's crazy if it's not if the court is agreeing that it's not safe for him to be around the mother then mm-hmm. how is it safe for him to be around the children right and knowing that she doesn't have sole custody she's going to have to come in contact with yes him. so after she filed this restraining order it barred david from having any weapons but oh, good. it doesn't allow for a search warrant so they just have to kind of like assume that he gave over all Mm -hmm. of his weapons instead of like going and actually Mm -hmm. obtaining all of them um and so terry was still scared like he could still have guns so terry ended up having to ask friends or she'd ask her husband nick to go with her to for drop-offs but sometimes like this fell through i mean like Mm -hmm. you can't always guarantee that and you got to pick up your kids and if nick came with it just made david's david's anger worse like he was so upset which boohoo, David. If I can't have you, nobody can. I know. Ugh. So, uh, like I previously stated, David kept dragging out this custody battle. And in January of 2004, the judge was like, yeah, no, we're not doing any more delays. Like, it's getting over with. So, the last day of the court hearing, it was January 31st, 2004, which was the anniversary of their divorce. Um, Nick and Terry had found out the night um before this that they were pregnant and they were super excited to tell their daughters when they when they got her the kids back from David's Mm -hmm. that day so um whenever uh Terry needed to pick up the kids David reached out and asked Terry if he could come pick up the daughters from his house in Wind Lake Wisconsin which was northwest of Racine um and even though the restraining order was in place she agreed to go pick them up because she's so excited Mm -hmm. about like you know she's pregnant she's so excited to like go see her daughters um and like the custody battle is going to be over well when terry arrived 
David was eerily calm. And he stated that the girls were playing hide and seek and wanted their mother to come find them. This is horrifying already. I know. Uh, Terry hesitated, like knowing in her, like yes. knowing that like she shouldn't go in. But being the amazing mother she is, she stepped inside, not wanting to disappoint her kids. Uh, little did Terry know that the girls were actually locked in a back bedroom of the house, uh, crying because they were so hungry and bored from a movie that, uh, David had put on for them to, to watch. So meanwhile, I, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because one, I'm like <laughs> uncomfortable, but two, uh, your face is kind of cracking me up. I'm so scared of what's about to <laughs> what you're about to tell me i've never heard this case before i know i hadn't either this is just it's gonna be horrifying hide and seek yeah so meanwhile nick waited over three hours for terry and the girls to return and how far was the drive like 10 15 minutes wow. yeah you know like i i can understand like maybe they wanted to go to a store afterwards mm-hmm. or whatever but three he hours just, is pushing it uh, yeah so he decided to call the police However, like when he called the 911 operator, sh- they recognized the address because the deputies had always been already been to the house earlier that day. Um, so they decided to return and actually talk to neighbors this time. Um, and the neighbor said that David was seen towing Terry's car that morning. Uh, the police went in the house because they had like rights to go search. Mm-hmm. They found black sweatpants, which was what Terry was wearing that morning, a large blood stain on the carpet and an empty handgun case, which he shouldn't have had that handgun because he had a restraining order. Um, Police immediately became alarmed, not knowing where not only Terry is, but where are the two daughters and knowing that David's armed, Mm -hmm. like terrifying. So the search for Terry starts, um, hundreds of officers start following leads, volunteers all over the town start searching for her, driving around and like actually searching in basements of incomplete houses, like just searching everywhere for her. Um, and the police also issued an Amber Alert, but they had no luck. So they end up reaching out to David's job and asking to be contacted when he reported to work. Um, the police called David, uh, even though like they just re- reached out to his work, they reach, re- da- they, call, they call David <laughs> saying that his ex-wife was missing and they needed him down in the station. And David's like super on board with trying to help them at first. I know. Gross. Um, detectives search his car when he gets there for Terry and the kids, but they weren't there. And so David initially tells the detectives that Terry never showed up to pick his kids up. Uh, So he dropped them off at multiple sources said either his girlfriend or his babysitter's house. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, he dropped them off before heading to work because he couldn't go to work with the kids. So meanwhile, like still questioning David, they send officers to rush over to said house where the daughters Mm -hmm. were at. And they found the kids they asked the girls if they had seen their mom, but they haven't because they were locked in the back mm-hmm. bedroom. Like, they did not see their mom. Um, oh, but the girls are okay, at least. Yeah, right. So, um, back at the station, uh, you know, the detectives are questioning David. 
and they he he's trying to come up with all these excuses and the detectives are like um no we found evidence in your house like Mm -hmm. we know you're not telling the truth and all of a sudden like his story completely changes he says that terry attacked him Mm -hmm. and he only acted in self-defense he actually claimed that Terry came into his home with her pants around her ankles, which would explain her pants being somewhat, for some reason, on the ground. So she's just waddling into the (laughs) house with her pants around her ankles. Right. Does he claim that she also brought the gun in? No, she was holding a hammer over him. So she's waddling into the house with her sweatpants around her ankles, holding a hammer. Mm -hmm. That makes complete sense. And the detectives are like, yeah, that's... Not accurate at all. So detectives detain David and perform a search. And during the search, like they go through his wallet and they find a card for a storage facility and they call that unit. And the person working confirms that not only does David have a storage unit there, but that he had been there that morning. So officers rush over to the storage unit and pry off the lock. Um, Immediately when they open it, they see a baseball bat covered with dried blood and a garbage bin with the lid taped shut. The officers are absolutely stunned when they open this lid. Okay. Okay, what's in it? We're gonna, I'm not telling you yet. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, Earlier that morning, prior to Nick's call to the police, they had received a call that came from a breathless woman giving David's address, stating that her ex-husband was trying to kill her, and she believed she was in the back of his pickup truck. She was alive. I have chills. She, yeah, right. So after after Terry had stepped into David's office, or, oh my goodness, out into David's house, um, because he, he said that she needed to play hide and seek, she remembers David surprising her from behind and hearing a clunk. And after coming to, she was on the floor and tried to get up. And David hit her again with a bat about 10 times in the head while he said, you're not taking my girls away from me. You said that I abuse you. Now you can see what abuse really is. Right. So while Terry laid there getting beaten, she could hear blood in her ears. That's like just like the grossest feeling. And then she could feel blood in her hair and she started seeing like blood everywhere. Like she could kind of open her eyes so then david starts covering her mouth and nose in an attempt to suffocate her and then he grabs duct tape and he starts taping her ankles and taping her wrists together and then he goes to put it over her mouth and all she could think about was like she's done like Mm -hmm. if she can't breathe like she's gonna be dead she wouldn't be able to breathe uh she didn't know what to do so terry began to breathe shallowly an attempt to, is that right? Shallowly? Mm-hmm. Shall- <laughs> An attempt to make David believe that she was dead. She's so freaking smart. Wow. I know, right? To be that terrified, covered in blood, you've been hit in the head with a bat multiple times. And right. to have the wherewithal to think, okay, I need to play dead now. Yeah. So David stripped Terry of her pants, shoes, and socks and shoved her in a garbage bin. And... Before he did that, Terry kind of like saw that he had a some sort of bin. She didn't know she was in a garbage bin, but some sort of bin. And she knew that if she went in head first, she wasn't going to mm-hmm. make it. So she like wiggled her way around while da- David was away so that she would go in feet first. Oh, my God. She's so How freaking smart. I could not even 
be able to process any thoughts right. in that situation. And she's making plans and executing right. them. My trauma response is freeze. Absolutely. So I would have been dead in like five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so David ended up taking the bin to the yard and filling it with snow. And then he picked it up and put it in the back of his truck, covering it with a tarp. And Terry was stuck inside this bin, barely clothed with snow all over her, bound and like beaten. Mm-hmm. So when David went inside to grab the girls, um, Terry still had on a jacket. Don't ask me why he didn't remove it. Probably because he's so confident and such a narcissist yes. that he like was like, oh, I'm like the, be- the mm-hmm. best at this. Like there's nothing that can go wrong. So um, Terry managed to get a hand free and reached into her pocket of her jacket and could grab her phone and called 911. And she had like the flip phone so you could like feel Mm -hmm. what you were dialing, but she didn't know if she like dialed it correctly. And so the operator answered and he like heard her like shallowly breathing and she just kept repeating David's address. Mm -hmm. And um, so the dispatcher is on the call with her and she hears sirens. She gets really excited. And then they slowly fade because David's driving in the mm-hmm. opposite direction as them. And they're going to David's house. Mm-hmm. And so David then drove to his storage unit that he had in Wheeling, Illinois. Do you know where Wheeling, Illinois no. is? Oh, it's, I mean, it's north. Um, and that's about 40 miles from racing. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, it's north in respect to where we're at. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's not. Don't come at me. (laughs) Um, And while Terry's phone or while Terry was missing, Nick's phone rang and it was Terry. And Nick remembers, I know. Can you imagine your wife missing and you get a call? And then you get a phone call from her. Yeah. And, and he remembers thinking like this might be the last time he gets to talk to her live. Oh my God. I know. And so then Terry calls 911 again, but this time the, they're in a different county. So the mm-hmm. 911 operator like doesn't know anything that's going yes. on. And she's a total bitch. Is this where she says my husband or my ex-husband's trying to kill me? No, she said that previously, but this time like, so throughout this drive, she like tried to get a hand free and she started like trying to wave mm-hmm. someone down and David actually ended up seeing it. So he pulled over and beat her again. Oh he still didn't find the phone. <laughs> Jesus. So when she went, uh, when he was done beating her, she called 911, but she like wasn't, com- like she was in and out of it. Like she mm-hmm. couldn't comprehend anything that was mm-hmm. really going on. So this 911 operator thought she was a prank call. <gasps> no. So she was like, my, my hands are bound. And she's like, well, how are you holding the phone? I know. I hate, I hate when cases have bad 911 operators i feel like you should be able to go through like some screening process to not be a jerk to people like absolutely operator and then you like when you're in a terrifying situation like that you think like if i can just call 911 right then someone can help me but you call 911 and you're being gaslit and not taken seriously exactly like this is my only hope and she's already been beaten in the head she is art yeah she already doesn't know exactly what's going on and the 911 operator is not taking her seriously and not offering her any sort of help yeah and she was like there's a tarp over me like i'm in a garbage bin like or she said i'm in a bin and there's a tarp over me and she's like well why don't you just take off the tarp 
she's like, oh my God. like struggling to breathe. And then like she goes out of it and mm-hmm. she's just heavy breathing. And she's like, are you just going to breathe heavily into the phone? Please tell me that this woman lost I her job. I hope so. I mean, like, I get there's probably prank calls to 911, but I would much rather respond to every call like it's real than yes. to think that, like, something's a prank call. Like, that's like, absolutely ridiculous. Take everything seriously until yeah. it's been proven that it's not real. Right. Who cares if it's a prank call? What if, what I mean, if I would, you never know right. when it might not be. I would rather treat a prank call seriously. Absolutely. So, um... He, David finally gets to his storage unit, pulls the garbage bin out of his truck bed and starts duct taping the lid shut and then piling boxes on top of the lid. And ironically, these boxes held her wedding gown and pictures. And mind you that this is January in the Midwest. It's January 31st. Mm -hmm. She's got what, like a jacket on Mm -hmm. covered in snow. Yeah. And... She's stuck in a unheated storage unit. Mm-hmm. So um, after like she thinks that they left, she starts calling David's name to see if he's there. Mm-hmm. Once she doesn't hear anything, she starts screaming for help. Um, so when officers open that lid, like what I was talking about, they find Terry in a fetal position with her eyes swollen shut. Her feet were so badly frostbitten that they, it looked like she was wearing socks. Oh, my God. But she was still alive. Wow. Uh, Terry had been in that bin for over 18 hours in the storage unit. 18 hours. 18 hours. Being beat, covered in snow in a Midwest winter. Yeah. And she survived for 18 hours. 18 hours. Yeah, the doctor said that she would have died within the hour if they didn't find her. Oh, my God. Just one more hour and she would have been dead. Yeah. Um, her core body temp was uh, 86 degrees. No. Um, and when they opened it, like, they want to help her right away, right? But David inflicted so much trauma that the officers didn't want to pull her out of the garbage bin and, like, risk that they were going to hurt her more. Yes. So they had to wait till the paramedics got there. Um, and something really gross that the detectives noticed is that um, David could actually see his storage facility from the tower where he worked. So he could go to work. He planned on going to work mm-hmm. and like sitting in his chair, looking at his storage unit where he thinks his ex-wife is dead. Oh my God. Disgusting. So Terry spent seven weeks in the hospital. Um, trigger warning, the, the baby was no longer viable mm-hmm. and she ended up having a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, how could you not after all that trauma um terry's severe terry's injuries were so severe um and include bruising contusions face facial lacerations and hypothermia Mm -hmm. i mean her her feet were looked like they were she was wearing socks she underwent uh 10 different operations including removal of all 10 toes yeah and she was wheelchair bound for several weeks after coming home there was uh, a source that said she was so pissed off that she couldn't tuck her babies in at night because she was in a wheelchair. Oh my God. And she was so mad. Going through all of that. Right. And she just wants to be able to tuck her yeah. girls into bed. Yeah. And she can't because of her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And so, but she like always remarked that she was really grateful that her daughters and her like mm-hmm. were alive. 
So when reporters interviewed Nick and Terry, um, Terry stated that dying wasn't an option because her girls needed Absolutely. her. Because if she died, she would have gone, the girls would have gone to mm-hmm. David. Um, and so David went on trial and Terry really didn't have a voice at all in the trial. She had over a hundred pieces of physical evidence and they still wanted to do a plea deal. Yeah. Not making him go through a trial. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, like why would we go through a trial? Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry didn't get a say in what happened. You know, like mm-hmm. when vic- like usually families of victims, they can say like whether they want the, whether they're okay with a plea mm-hmm. deal or not. Like she didn't get a voice. What was the plea deal? I don't know. He still had to go away. Like there wasn't like mm-hmm. a way that he'd like. Yes. I don't, I don't know but not what it for, was. I mean, it's a plea deal. So right. shorter than what right. we would think is fair. So on August 16th, 2005, David Larson was sentenced to 35 years in prison. Good. Still like, how did he not get, get life? life? Yes. You, you beat your ex-wife in like with your kids in the same house. Yes. After, did he get any child neglect charges? He did. He also, um, so he, it, the charge was for attempted first degree intentional homicide. Mm-hmm. I He also got one for like kidnapping mm-hmm. and then taking his kids over state lines. Like it was okay. an extra f- felony. Um, so that's just frustrating. I hate how our justice system, like you have to be dead for someone to go away for life. Yes. And even that, like that's mm-hmm. not guaranteed absolutely ridiculous so terry filed a civil suit against david and won he now owes her more than three million dollars oh wow she said that she doesn't expect any money but she said you don't get to do that to someone without paying yes so (laughs) he's such a dick um so terry went on to help create laws which protect domestic violence victims including the wisconsin safe acts safe act which takes guns out of hands of abusers and gives sheriff sheriff jesus christ sheriff's deputies authority to take firearms without a warrant oh wow so you know like how he Mm -hmm. had a gun he also side note he threatened her with the gun when Mm -hmm. he pulled over but um they also did marcy's law which um gives crime victims equal rights and ensuring their voices are heard Mm -hmm. so how she wasn't heard during the trial Mm -hmm. like this makes um victims have a voice um so then oxygen released a true crime series called three days to live and it's actually based on terry's story Mm -hmm. i don't understand how i've never heard of this i've never heard of this there's so many like shows out there based on her um and the title uh three days to live is based on the statistic that every hour a woman is abducted the chances of finding her alive diminishes greatly after the first 72 hours she was from the moment she walked into david's house to when she was found it was 26 hours oh my god but i mean and she just told herself that there was no option for her to die right so she could go home to her girls yeah i mean like mother of the year like holy cow like just i can't imagine but also like what a badass for for doing that so um terry and nick actually ended up having a son a few years after the abduction um and when terry 
is asked how she found the strength that day, she quotes Nancy Reagan with, a woman is like a tea bag. Only in hot water do you realize how strong she is. Wow. I know. It gave me chills. I know. Um, and so, yeah, that's my story. I cannot believe I've never heard of that before. I know, right? I love, I mean, I don't love that these cases happen, but just knowing how strong you can be in a terrifying situation. Right. And I am a big sucker for when like a victim ends up like being alive and like fighting through yes. it and you don't know it the whole time. Like, oh my goodness. Those are the stories that always get me. Yes. So yeah. Wow. That was a really good one to start Thank off with. You. Thank you. I have, I had so many to choose from, but I was like, nope, I have to put everything else aside and choose this one. Yes. It's so good. And I mean, like I lived in Racine for a long time. Don't ask me how I did not know about this case because I was at least living there when he got sentenced. Yeah. So. But we were only nine. I mean, yeah, we were, we were kids. I wonder if my dad's heard of this. Dad, <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> text us right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. And, um. I know there's so many options for domestic violence helplines, but um, just know that your voice is heard and people care about you. And just because, um, you know, your abuser distances you from all your friends, your friends still care about you. And I mean, like, if you're listening to this and you're in a violent relationship, you can always message us and yes. we'll, we'll, we'll help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if it doesn't feel like it, there's always someone out there. Yes. That will do anything for you. For sure. So. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Go and show us some love by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Stay spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.